Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Birds with Friends and a very, very special evening here on Thursday night. I am in my basement. Sheila is in his is in his basement, and elsewhere, come just coming off the courts of uh, some kind of basketball game. The one, the only, Mister Fast Vertical Stem, Coach Brian Flynn. Welcome to the show. Good to be here, man. Happy playoffs. Happy playoffs. That was hoops. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, our we we struggled a little bit with the pick and roll. Uh, but in a, in a very Bobby Knight fashion, our, co- our coach got us straight by after about two straight hours of running it. So we're ready for the four o'clocker on Saturday. <laughs> Wonderful. No chairs were thrown in the process. I hope. I, I can't comment. Yeah, I can't comment. <laughs> Hopefully, everybody kept their hands to themselves, or there was no nothing being videotaped. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <willing. laughs> um, I will tell you that uh, tonight at dinner, Casey Wolf, for the first time in his life, had some garbanzo beans. Wow, very nice. <laughs> so it's, enjoy it? It's a big night for everybody. Okay. Uh, I will actually say that he he did not love them. Yeah, I'm not a big no. fan either. How could he? Yeah, how could he? I well, and the problem with the garbanzo beans is that as he throws them on the floor, they camouflage into the into the wooden floor, and so I just stepped on a few garbanzo beans on my way down. Mm. Well, that's yeah, good show prep. Here we are. All right. Here is the format for tonight's show, because... Uh, what you may not know, listeners, is that uh, throughout the course of the week, and especially during game days, Coach Flynn is firing off the texts. He's got takes that he needs to get off his, his chest. And so we are going to afford him that opportunity tonight in a segment we, were, we are calling Getting Something Off His Crest. And the format of this is that I will introduce a topic. Coach Flynn will go for as long as he wants with as much fire as he wants. Shield will then have a follow-up question. And at the end of the answer to the follow-up, Shield and I will grade the take on a, uh, a hotness scale. And then if, if uh, the situation calls for it, we will continue the conversation on that topic. How does that sound, gentlemen? Extremely fair. Yeah, that works for me. Can I, can I get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way real quick? I think you need to, yes. We have a meetup. We have a meetup. In Chicago, Saturday evening around 7.30 or 8. This has been uh, this has been organized by the Athletic Chicago. You know Bo and I. If it were up to us, it would be a disaster. We would never organize it. Truly the so only way at, that this could get done. Yeah. It's at a place called Fireplace Inn around 7.30 or 8. And so I guess we'll be there. Now, Coach Flynn, uh, Bo... Really, you know, kind of threw me under the bus on this one. I have to say, if there's, I, to get, I, I really oh, handled oh, this. Unusual. Yeah, I, yeah. 
can't so, believe you know, we do such a thing. Yeah, so we're you know we're writing after the uh, the last game in D.C. and we get a little message from uh, the Athletic Chicago guys. They say, hey, we're thinking of maybe a little combo meetup Saturday night in Chicago. You know, I'm blowing my nose every other second. Bo had to point out I had a little tissue on my uh, upper lip caught in the facial hair. I was in bad shape, so I said... He's Mr. Curmudgeon. He wants no part of of any kind of uh, interaction with human beings. Well, I know Coach Flynn uh, can, uh, you know, he he can relate to me on on that. Yeah. So can I. I Absolutely. So I say, you know, uh, a little bit under the weather, maybe, but, you know, I don't want to commit to anything. Next thing I know, Bo's firing off a message. Oh, yeah, I'm in. Sounds great. I'll guilt shield into going. I said I'll do my best. What is that move? You and I both know this is the only way this was getting done. So now, instead of sitting in my my sweats in the hotel room by myself, not having any human interaction. Putting on your your Seahawks beanie. Watching playoff football. Now I've got to go talk to people. What a disgrace! You can put in. You can put in a half an hour and be gone. Uh, yeah. So I want. If you are in Chicago, whether you live there or are visiting for the game, please tweet at us and let us know you're coming. If I don't get anyone tweeting at me telling me they're coming and it's going to be me having to hang out with Bo for an hour or whatever it is, I'm not going to this thing. So I just want that out there. That is only fair. Okay. And of course, please do continue to uh, to rate, review, subscribe. Give us your uh, comments on Apple Podcasts with your prediction for how many points the Eagles will score this playoffs. All right. The first question we have to start where uh, there is only one place to start, Coach Flynn. And uh, I want to know how you feel having dedicated years of your life to coaching the wide receiver position, the nuances, the ins, the outs. How does it feel to know that uh, this dedication – has been surpassed. You know nowhere near as much about what it takes to run routes as does Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's several things I had a problem with there. Uh, the first of all, just Kirk Cousins in general, uh, just <laughs> him being in the league and me having to watch him on television. <laughs> I have a problem with that. Uh, and as a, as a receiver coach. Uh, for I guess 20 years, one of the things we talk about in the room is we don't show up the quarterback. No matter what happens, you know, if we're open, we don't palms up. Uh, we don't go to the sidelines and get into a tirade. Not to say that for 20 years this has never happened. Of course, it happens. Things happen. But the the feeling Cousins thing was so disgusting to me because why would it Kirk, who had a much worse year than Adam Thielen? <laughs> have the audacity to call him out on the depth of his route or the angle out of his route. I don't even think Kirk was complaining about Then this clown demonstrates how to run the top end of the route completely with dropping his weight and acting like he's given a head and shoulder nod at the top end of the corner route. Give me a break. So you, I mean, it's one thing if we're going to have a conversation about it's going to get heated. It's another thing if you're going to stand your stiff behind up on the sideline and try to show me how to run a route so everybody on television in the whole stadium can know, hey, that receiver is wrong, but don't worry. I'm such a student of offensive football here. I'm going to get him straight. Oh, by the way, I'm completing like every third pass. So uh, there's no way. I mean, shout out to Adam Thielen for not throwing a punch at him, uh, which would have been justified. But there's no way, uh, there's no way any receiver on that team 
even wants to look at that dude again. I mean, it, it is that, that I've never seen anything like that. Run, a quarterback running a route on the sideline. It's preposterous. It would be again the equivalent of Marvin Harrison coming off and getting a football and going to Peyton Manning and like demonstrating how to get his elbow up. You know, it's just it's it's such arrogance and the guy stinks and. I, this could be 45 minutes right here, just my reaction to that nonsense. I think Marvin Harrison, as Kirk Cousins, is a little bit generous. Maybe Shelton Gibson is more like it, but go ahead, Shield. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know what? It does annoy me every time the quarterback does try to let everyone know that the receiver ran the wrong route. Like, you know, when they throw an interception or uh, there's an incompletion and the camera pans to them and they, like, lift their right arm up and do, like, that little motion with their hand and they've got a little uh, scrunchy face. So uh, that took it to another degree. So my follow-up my follow up is this. Let's say, you know, you're on the, uh, on the sidelines there at Villanova. And I know, I mean, a, mu- a much better coach team that, you know, this would never happen. But let's say, you know, all of a sudden uh, – the quarterback starts doing that to one of your uh, receivers as the wide receivers coach. What, what is your move in that moment? Yeah, I think there's, there's a tenant of coaching uh, that my head coach passed on to me in college and high school, even, where, where you coach your own guys, mm-hmm. you know, so at, at, if at any cost, if I can avoid, particularly during a game when we're all agitated, we're all at a heightened state where everything bothers us. We're all ready to flip at a moment. So does, but I, I am, if I'm going to say something to another coach's player, it is, it is not going it, to, it's, I'm not going to throw gas on the fire. I'm going to try to put it out. So I try to, I would try to avoid saying anything to the quarterback. I would grab my guy and get him out of there, or I just kind of monitor it. And if it got too ridiculous, which again, as soon as this guy starts running routes, hey, how many passes you call Kirk? Not stop, stop, stand up straight, go sit down, go look at the tablet. Let's figure this out. We don't need. Okay, everybody knows you think he's done wrong, but but where where you get into trouble as a coach is when if I go over to the offensive line or, or those guys come over to me, that that's your way out of line, you know. So I, I would try to diffuse it. You know, every once in a while you put an arm around a guy and walk away with him and let him yell at you or you yell at him and get it out of his system and then keep going. But I mean, it's you try to keep it as brief as you can. You know, which again, that thing would seem like it went on for 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, it didn't. It was probably 90 seconds, but it was like, oh, okay, Kirk, yeah, show me again with your right arm exactly the angle. I've caught 800 of these routes. I've saved your butt for 16 weeks. And now you, you want to get on TV showing everybody that you know how to do it better than I do. It's just whatever his intent is there, he's got to know better than that, man. You're, you're the leader of the offense. You're the leader of the team, for crying out loud. You can't show up your teammates, especially when it's for those guys had to be a low point for them. You know, they were horrendous on offense. They could feel it slipping out of their grass. Yeah, now's the time I'm going to panic and start to throw my weight around. But, hey, I'm not the one screwing up. It's you. It's just it's a bad look all around. By the way, I liked how uh, Coach Flynn said, you know, in the heat of a, a game where, you know, there's that heightened intensity where everything bothers you. I feel like that's not just in game for you, Coach Flynn. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, no. There, there's especially – my wife likes to describe it as petty, mm. uh, but I, I just think I'm, I'm hyper aware and I, and I tend to not forget things that I should forget or get over. But yeah, I, you know, I think it, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm getting better. You know, start getting okay. the meditation a little bit, oh, you know, taking some mindfulness, trying to let things go. You know, kind of. I'm not saying it's succeeding, but we're we're hopefully headed in the right direction. Very good. All I right, think Paul, I think, I think we're a bunch of Richard Petties on this podcast, the three of us. 
Uh, okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with, with uh, the strength that you took that to the rim, especially in the beginning there, uh, especially talking about having to watch Kirk Cousins in the league because, you know, any, uh, any enemy of Kirk Cousins is a friend of mine. So I'm going to go um, – <laughs> I'm going to say uh, – what's uh, – I'm going to say that was, a, that was a jalapeno pepper. Now, is there a specific scale I should be going by? No, it's I, all your own. Oh, great. No, there's what? <laughs> I need to, out. So now I need to think of scales of hotness all uh, of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. You you stole the easiest one. What else is there? Taba- what's Tabasco? You can take jalapeno if you want. You can say sriracha. You can say... Uh, well, what's hotter than a jalapeno? A, um, a ghost pepper. So that's a ghost 10. Ghost pepper, that's what I was Okay. And is like ice cream uh, his worst take? Is yeah. it, okay. It's not his worst, but it's his most vanilla, his most Coldest. tepid. Yeah. Okay. And is uh, I've never had Tabasco sauce. Is that is that hotter that, or colder than a jalapeno? It's it's less hot than a jalapeno. Tabasco is probably like a like like a six or seven. All right, I'll just steal the jalapeno. Yeah, because I think, I, think I you know if I feel like if this was his last take, I may be giving it the ghost pepper, mm. but I want to see what else there is, so I can't do that right now. I agree. Uh, I do. I we I think we can talk a little bit more about this because I do think it is like it it's crazy for Kirk Cousins to be doing this. Uh, now I want to know, Coach Flynn, how you feel about my take that if uh, if Cam Newton was doing this, the conversation would be a lot different. No doubt, no doubt, and it's again, it's you know, it's everybody's worried about what hat Cam is wearing or what's on his shoes and, and all this other nonsense. Where you know, Kirk Cousins gets through there, he gets a pass. You know, he can do that nonsense, and it's oh, look at there, there. It's a spirited discussion. You know, it's because that you like his personality better, which I don't know how you would. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that you know. It, Kind of who Cam is and, and how he goes about this. For some reason, people have a problem with it, and it becomes every little thing gets blown out of proportion. Where this kind of, you know, again, it was the end of the year and all that. But this, this, if it was a different, if it was two different guys in there, there's no doubt. I do think it's funny to think if you are, you know, you're the Vikings wide receivers coach. I think it's uh, Daryl Daryl Hazel. Is that right? Uh, you're that guy. Uh, how are we oh, yeah. supposed to know? Your uh, well, Coach Flynn might know. He's, he knows all <laughs> he the might, I, Does he? Do you know every wide receivers coach out there? I didn't. I didn't know it was Daryl <laughs> Hazel, but I know the name, and I can name about four stops he's been at. Okay. I don't know all of them. You're you're this guy. You've coached like the one good unit on the offense. You've got Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, like this guy who came out of nowhere, and this and this seventh round pick. They're fantastic. And meanwhile, Kirk Cousins is trying to trying to teach you how to do your job. And it just has to like I think one of the biggest things, like one of the worst flaws you can have is a lack of self awareness. You know, in life, like if, mm-hmm. if you know, you, you, you swagger around and you think you're something you're not, and you, and you never work on your weakness. So like, hey, Kirk, like between Diggs and Thielen and you, <laughs> who's who, who's playing better right now? You know what I mean? Like is is I mean, should you, shouldn't you be the one hat in hand going, hey, I missed that throw, my fault, next time I'll, I'll throw it a little bit higher, or I didn't realize you were going to 14. Not, hey, man, I don't have 10 seconds? Like, what? Like, have some self-awareness. You're not having a great day. Okay, but understand, you know, show these guys that you're not rattled. Show them that, that hey, I'm good. I'm, I'm, you know, we'll be fine here the rest of the game. Not, don't start running routes in between the series. 
you know, I'm just slamming on the panic button. I mean, it's just no self-awareness. It just, it, it drives me nuts. I think that gift's going to have some nice lasting power though. I mm. will say. Yeah. It will on my account. Is there a guy, is there a wide receivers coach who was like the, like the Howard Mudd or the, the Dante Scarnecchia who was like the paragon of all wide receivers coaches? Well, you know what? It's I I I think like there's there are, and, and you say tape now because when when I started you know, there was all VHS tapes. Um, but it, ironically, like when I started probably 20 years ago, like the the holy grail of wide receiver tapes was the Gunner Brewer wide receiver tape. Really, and really, and he had and and I I have it I have it still I think it's DVD now or it may be on our computer system. Uh, and it's 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 a little bit dated at this point. The shorts are short. The guys are wearing Reeboks, and they're on artificial surface. Uh, but that was one of the first ones that kind of circulated around. Um, and there's a bunch of guys that you know I've over the years that I've visited with and places I've gone that have been really helpful that I've taken a, a ton of my stuff from. I think Urban Meyer uh, back in the day when he was at Notre Dame uh, was really one of the first guys uh, to have those resources available, kind of like pre-internet, you know, where you, you could, hey, let me see Urban Meyer's drills. Hey, how, do, how do they block? How do they run routes? That's kind of where he made his name for himself hmm. uh, before he became a head coach. So he'd, he'd be the other guy I would think of offhand. But, and I have all those, you know, again, I took the same position forever. I have, you know, DVDs and tapes and stuff all over the place. But, you know, those were the, the kind of the guys for me that, oh, hey, you know, they were the top of the game. Now, again, Still wearing the same hats. Wow. Goofy hats and sunglasses. Gunter Brewer. Who knew? Who knew? All right. We'll move on to our next uh, our next topic. This one is is uh, less of a of a fiery topic. It's more of a football thing. Coach, tell us a little bit about uh, pattern matching on defense. Sheil has talked about it this week. You think it's maybe a little bit overstated? Well, let's give the context yeah, when, here. It, it's just that the yep. yes, uh, you know, Nick Foles and the Eagles. Um, have just when they've been describing how the Bears uh, play their zone defense, this is a, a concept that they say the Bears are very good at. Okay, the floor is yours. So uh, uh, back when I played, so you're talking early 90s and before that, zone coverage was zone coverage. Like guys, linebackers dropped through the curl to the flat, you know, alley players. Inside linebackers dropped from the hook to the curl, you know, and they dropped and they looked up number one, but they dropped. So when you're a receiver or a tight end or a running back, you could run 12 yards in the middle of the field untouched and there, there'd be nobody there. You know, like when, when Brian Finneran played for us way back in the day before I was here, you know, he lined up in the slot at six foot five and a half or six foot six, however big he is, and just kind of ran untouched in the middle of the field all day and scored 20 touchdowns and was the national player of the year. So what defenses have done uh, is have, you know, man principles in the zone based on the, the plays that you run. So your most frequent plays, a linebacker is just not going to let you run past him while he drops to his zone. He's either going to reroute you or he's going to drop to a specific spot, knowing that there's going to be a route coming underneath. You know, so there's a, it, really the two things that football nowadays is, in, in your man concepts, there's a lot of zone. There's a lot of passing off of crossing routes and pick routes and, and those types of things. And then in your zone coverage, there's a lot of man. You know, sometimes it's a lot of times there's a man side and a zone side based on the plays that you like to run and the guys where you're at. Now, the thing about 
you know, the Seahawks when they did it with cover three or the Bears, you know, they're, how they're doing it this year is they're just so good and they're good at it that that's something that stands out, I think. You know, where you're trying to run maybe your zone coverage beaters, your, the plays that are good against cover two, cover three, cover four, but everybody's covered and the spots that are usually supposed to be open aren't because they're matching up the routes, you know, whether it's a, um, you know, a double slant or a dig by uh, a dig by the inside receiver or a shallow cross by the outside receiver. You know, so there's, I think it's something that's been done. They may do it a little bit more because they're good on defense and they don't have to play as much man coverage. Maybe again, I haven't really watched the tape like you guys have, you know, where I think, you know, a lot more about how much man zone they run, how much pressure and they, you know, I'm sorry, how many times they blitz and how many times they rush forward. But usually, again, going back to the Seahawks, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, is if you can just play zone coverage and be good on defense, you've got good players. You know, and they're smart players, and they they know tendencies, and they know the rules of the defense, and they can, you know, you can do some things. You don't have to be as crazy scheme-wise if you've got guys that are good enough to make up for it. Like Michigan State, wait, a couple of years ago, was a big zone pressure team, three guys deep, two guys underneath. And a bunch of people tried to do that after they did it. And the problem with two guys underneath is you got to cover 53 and a third width of the field with two guys. Now, Michigan State could do it because they both got drafted. They just knocked everybody down. You know, so I think, I think it's a little bit of that. Um, but it's, it's definitely – it's been trending that, that way for a long time. Yeah, what's, uh, what I'm interested in is, uh, like you said, you know, it seems like a very smart way to play – Defense, and I know in Seattle, you know, they were uh, playing so much cover three that they were like, well, we see a lot of the same route concepts every week, and so that's why we can get good at studying them. But is it, you know, when you're playing that, like, is it uh, a little bit of a guessing game? You know, to say you recognize a route concept, it still kind of feels a little bit risky. Are there certain keys that you say, all right, if, you know, I can break on this and I'm covered, if it's not that, I mean, how does, like, that sort of guessing game or route recognition, that part of it work? Yeah, I think, you know, what, what you have to do offensively is, you know, you've got your hand full of routes and plays that you think are going to work against this defense, but then you've got to have counters off of that that, you know, work against what they think you're going to do, which it sounds super complicated, but it's not. So if you have a, you know, a dig by number two and a post by number one trying to get the ball over top, you know, you can switch those two guys and have to post by number, post by the inside receiver and the big by the outside receiver. You know, you just can't. One of the one of the things people I think overrate tendencies, but offensively, if you self scout, and you know the ones that are really glaring for you, if you have counters for those and only those, I think it's you know it, it can really give those type of defenses trouble. You know, because what I imagine what the Bears saying, all right, when when Zachary lines up in the slot, they're going to run these four plays. You know, or if he lines up at number three, they're going to do these four things. You know, where if you have something off of that, you know, then you have a chance to hit a home run, and then you unseat them a little bit, and they're not as aggressive. You know, and I think that the issue is if you just try to run your staples, particularly at the beginning, you know, they're going to you're going to be sitting on them where you're going to have to go over the top. You're going to have to try to take some shots. I mean, the other thing about zone coverage is at some point it's all going to become man coverage. The ball's in the air. You know, this guy, unless it's cover two, which they play in the NFL more than anywhere else, but, you know, if it's thirds, if it's quarters, I mean, if it's thirds or quarters, that guy on the outside has got to cover the guy on the outside. 
Like he, you know, if he goes straight down the field, that it's it's you versus him. So, you know, I think you have to be aggressive. I think you have to have a couple things in there to kind of go against how good they are at figuring out what you're doing, break some tendencies early. You know, and I think that'll that could get the ball rolling and and get you in a rhythm, get you rhythm at the start of the game. Mm. Very good. helpful. Yeah. Very helpful. I don't, I, I don't think we can say it was super hot. It was just, you know, very helpful. So in that sense, I would say it was like a, uh, I don't know, what's a, what's a good meal that doesn't have a lot of heat? It was, it was like a nice, a, a delicious bowl of ice cream. I disagree. I'm, I'm sticking with the jalapeno. Really? This, 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 this Foot, gives me a... T- yeah, this yeah, this gives me a totally different way to view the uh, beginning of this game. I mean, they can't just go in and run their foundational plays. I, I this is a you know I already came in thinking that this is a big uh, Doug Peterson game. Like you know, what are you gonna cook up? You got to cook up your best stuff. You're at a talent disadvantage here. You're underdogs. You're on the road. What are you gonna do? And now uh, Coach Flynn gave us a nice sort of primer there that. You know, you, you got to break break some of those tendencies. Maybe they'll do some of that, hit on some big plays. So there is sort of that avenue there for them. I stick with the jalapeno. Well, I think we agree that uh, it was very helpful. I just, you know. Listen, you've got this weird scale. I'm just, I might just say jalapeno for everyone. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> All right, moving on. Another uh, Another deep topic. Eagles are going to Chicago. Coach Flynn has some thoughts on deep dish pizza. Yeah, I, this is this is I, my background. Is I coached at Eastern Illinois University for three years, uh, my first full time job, and I recruited uh, the Chicago land area. And unlike, you know, there's unlike there's certain things with an area that get overrated. Uh, really, the best example for me is is water ice. Mm. I think I've addressed this topic before. Uh, I, I think water ice is ridiculously overrated. No doubt. Um, you know, every spring when, oh, look, Rita's open, there's free water ice. I, I, I don't care if the Rita's is in my front yard. I'm not getting water ice. If it's free, if I can get five of them, I, it, it's a waste. Give me ice cream. Give me a chocolate shake. Uh, now, the complete opposite of that is the deep dish pizza uh, in Chicago. It's fantastic. I, I think it's underrated. Mm. Um, you know, the varieties you can get, uh, the fact that, you know, when I, when I lived in Illinois and when I recruited up there, I mean, it can last a couple of days. You know, that's legitimately like Thanksgiving-level leftovers, uh, particularly if you're a young single guy like I was, uh, where that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, so it's versatility, it's quality. Uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it is, it's the Marshall Falk, really, of pizzas uh, for me. Uh, it's it's spectacular. Yeah, that's, I mean, you should, if you guys don't have at least two of them while you're there, you're really you're really missing the boat. Mm, interesting. Well, you, I think uh, one of the first things we bonded on was our our take on uh, Rita's Water Ice. So you know, I'm there with you. Absolutely. You know, they they give that out at uh, Eagles training camp in the summer, and I can say with honesty, I did not take one the entire summer. I don't want that. Especially those little fruit bits. Oh, oh the fruit bits are disgusting. Oh, that I agree with. Get, get them yeah. out of here. Okay, so a, I agree with that. We, 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 yeah, I'm a big consistency guy, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, come on. Just get the ice cream and move on. Texture eater. We, we don't need to mess this up. Now, with the pizza, I have my. I, I guess it's a, it's a 
two-pronged follow-up. One is, I need your rankings of, uh, we talked about the upside-down pizza yesterday, which I, I don't know if you've had before. Um, but, there, you know, you put the sauce on top and then it's got the cheese underneath, usually uh, a square slice. So I need your rankings uh, of that, of the deep dish, of a regular, I guess you could call it like a New York slice and a Sicilian. So those four, I think uh, those are. I'm going to add in, I'm going to add in sort yeah, of the, the, you know, uh, the Naples ne- Neapolitan style, like artisan, smaller, uh, charcoal Type of uh, type of slice, a nomad pizza. pizza. Okay, all right. So that's five, and then uh, just I, I don't know if you do have a recommendation of a specific place in Chicago, or if you just got it wherever. But that would be the second part of the follow-up. Yeah, I'll answer the second one first. And there's no way I'm ever going to remember all those different kind of pizzas, so especially when the word <laughs> artisan was used. But there, I don't, I don't, really, I don't. I, it's been so long. You know, I, I left in 2005, and I, I probably have some CTE creeping in. Where I wouldn't even remember, uh, but you're not going to have a bad one, you know. Okay. And I'm sure if you guys go to your you go to your meetup, there'll be some some locals there that'll have a ton of good good recommendations. Um, you know, I, I think the deep dish is number one. Oh, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm a huge fan of a of a New York slice. I, I've been lucky the past five or six years. I recruit uh, northern New Jersey, where the pizza up there is spectacular. Uh, and and I'm a big fan of tomato pie. Um, that would probably be third, which gr- growing up, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, the Italian neighborhood um, where my grandmother was from. It's called Briar Hill. It was called Briar Hill Pizza. Um, and then, you know, all the other stuff, the, the upside down and the, and the you know, <laughs> I mean, I'll eat, I'll eat any kind of pizza. You know, I, I mean, I'm, 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 if it's warm, I'll usually eat it. Um, and even if it's cold. But those three at the top for me are, you know, like I said, New York slice you can fold in half. You know, that's that's as good as it gets. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big tomato pie guy. Throw in a toaster okay. oven, get it rolling. There's nothing better. Okay. Bo, what do you got? I know you have some takes, too, not just a grade. Deep dish as number one. Oh, no doubt. Deep dish as number one. Uh, you have broken my heart. <laughs> Uh, you know, I thought, I thought we were kindred spirits coach, but I have to give that a ghost pepper and say that I just, uh, have to really reevaluate everything I think about you. I thought ghost pepper was the hottest, hottest take. Oh, so you're saying this is the hottest take? Yeah. I think that's a very hot take. It is. I, yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, what's your ranking? Nope. Uh, I mean, New York slice and, and Naples slice are, are one, two in some order tied at the top with nobody else, uh, encroaching. Naples is the individual pizza. Yeah, I mean it's not an in, like not like we're not talking like a Pizza Hut individual pizza. Listen, I know what it is. Um, listen, maybe I haven't had the right deep dish. But uh, it's more casserole than pizza. I could say Coach Flynn does have the uh, exact same uh, takeout food tastes as my dad. <laughs> Between Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and Wawa, I mean, man, (laughs) you guys really should be having, like, dinner once a week. (laughs) I'm all for it. Um, I will say I will give it a uh, Tabasco just because, you know, I'll I'll switch it up once here. I I think my preference is uh, the New York Slice, I think, is number one for me. 
Uh, I like, I really do like the upside down pizza. I'm going to do that number two. Uh, you know what, what is completely overrated is the, is the Sicilian slice. I can't tell you how many times in my life I look at it through that little glass window. I say, gosh, that looks delicious. I get it. And I'm wishing I would have just got the regular slice. Totally agree. Last. Uh, I yeah, don't love, I'm with I, you there. yeah, I don't love the artisan. I mean, the artisan is fine, but you know what? Like, I don't know. Do I need to be paying like uh, fourteen fifty for this individual pizza right here? I could be getting uh, two two larges somewhere. This for that the way price. that you say individual pizza is so derogatory. Well, I can eat the whole it thing. Is, That's an individual. Is. You can't eat a whole. You said this before. You can eat a whole individual one of those bad boys. Yeah, I can eat a whole slice of uh, a whole pie of New York pizza too. No, when I'm you go fat. Out, <laughs> no, when you go out and you order one of those, you you have leftovers. I eat the whole thing. Well, you order appropriately. You order so that you have leftovers. No, we're not getting back into this garbanzo bean conversation. All right. You know Everybody the tomato order pie? your own pizza. <laughs> I don't mind the tomato pie. Uh, I'll tell you who's not a fan of the tomato pie is my wife. And when there's the, uh, the kid's birthday party where the tomato pie instead of the regular mm. pie, oh, she, she's not happy. Yeah, that's nonsense. No, that's nonsense. Yeah, she might not that. like Come that. On. I'm calling her out there. but yeah. I like that. I like that out of her. <laughs> Yeah, that's like getting a pizza with, like, onions and mushrooms on it for the kids. You know what I mean? Who's gonna, what kid's going to eat that? Yeah, that's no, a very good point. Not mine, that's for sure. All right, next topic. No, mine either. <laughs> next topic is the uh, the man who uh, who could be coach of the year. Not Frank Reich, not Matt Nagy. The big fella, Andy Reid. I have no other. I have no other. Uh, no other intro. Just you. You have some Andy Reid thoughts. That's all I need. No, that's all I need. That this and I think my any Sixers question. I'm going to answer in a similar fashion. Uh, this I'm going to. I'm going to side with Shield here on not wanting to go out to gatherings. And Andy Reid is one of the reasons why. Because I was at a gathering recently, and the, and the topic turned to Pat Mahomes, who is. A pure joy to watch. I've watched every game on Game Pass. I mean, it, how do you watch this guy and not have fun watching him? I don't know. And a comment was made by another party goer. Uh, yeah, as long as Andy Reid doesn't mess him up. Oof. And I thought, what? This is uh, mess him up. I said, so uh, this dude is just. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's a he's a generational talent. A coach is only as good as his quarterback, but. The stuff that Andy Reid is doing on offense, there's a great article in Sports Illustrated about how open he's always been to new ideas and how kind of all this spread stuff he's doing is a departure from his West Coast roots. And, and that's kind of what's differentiated him from, you know, Holmgren and, and McCarthy and some of these guys who are so locked into the West Coast that they never, they never made the move. Uh, but the, the success this guy has had, in, in relation to the nonsense he gets from Philadelphia fans, and he, he has his faults. You know, I think Andy Reid and the Sixers are both like, and I always say this word wrong, uh, Rorschach test for, for what your thinking is, where if you see Andy Reid and you go, bad clock management. Uh, right, yes, he's, had, he, he's not great at it. Okay, but what has he done that's good? Well, they went through a Super Bowl here. They, did, they didn't win it. Okay, I got it. I know. They went to NFC Championship games year after year after year, uh, won a lot of games. Uh, you know, brought the, got the, left the franchise in a good place, uh, developed quarterbacks, kept Nick Foles in football. I don't know if any – I mean, you've heard – you guys know the story. I've heard it a million times. But people forget, like, Nick Foles wanted to quit. Like, he'd had it. And Andy Reid said, you brought him in and said, you know, no, stay, come, keep playing. 
uh, has done an unbelievable. I mean, it's the, it's the funnest offense to watch for our college right now. Uh, the quarterback threw 50 touchdown passes in 5,000 yards. Uh, but again, has, is the guy perfect? No. Has he failed? Yeah. But uh, does he get any credit for for winning in that league for years and years and years? Very little. You know, in between turning on podcasts, I'll have WIP go on for eight seconds, and the two things I hear you know, is four seconds about trade Carson Wentz for Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, and the other four seconds are Andy Reid's terrible. And I just I don't get it. I mean, okay, right. You didn't win five Super Bowls in a row. Okay, yes. You didn't win any. I got it. Clock management times wasn't great. Okay. But that stuff to me pales in the comparison of, of all the games won, quarterbacks developing the good players. I mean, Nick Foles isn't in the league. It doesn't have a chance to win the Super Bowl for the Eagles if Andy Reid doesn't, doesn't keep him in it. You know, and it, it just uh, it drives me insane. I have whenever that that and in any take on the Sixers, particularly Ben Simmons jump shooting, I have a very similar reaction. Which people have an idea and a perception, and they don't say, "Hey, you know what? This guy's actually done a lot of stuff really well for a long time, and is still doing it." They're, they're the number one seed in the AFC. But I'll wait till the clock management comes. You're right. He may make a mistake. Yes, because he's still coaching. He may make a mistake. But the grief that guy gets, to me, it makes zero sense. None. Yeah, I think the two things that uh, stand out about Andy Reid uh, sort of at this point in his career, one is the one you mentioned. I mean, I, I just love that the system they're running now, like, would be unrecognizable to the guy who coached here, you know, his, his first few years in Philadelphia, and I, I just feel like we, in a day and age where we say, well, I guess this is probably every day and age I use that wrong, but when we always hear these coaches taking their systems and getting rid of guys who don't fit their systems, his ability to sort of adapt and stay ahead of, ahead of the curve has absolutely uh, been remarkable. And, then my, and the other thing is just, and I remember this just from uh, living here when he was the coach, was that I was always impressed by when they like got rid of players um, and it wasn't always on the best terms that he was, he always seemed like able to maintain a good relationship, but even like T.O. to this day, will say good things, uh, about Andy Reid as he crushes like uh, everybody else who was here, uh, during his time. So I think those, those people skills were probably underrated. Now, my question to you, coach Flynn is this, I know you are, uh, in addition to an Andy Reid fan, a Frank Reich fan, if there is a, uh, a Colts chiefs postseason game. I don't even know when those two teams uh, could play. Bo, do you know, would, would that be a potential second-round matchup or no? Uh, I think so. I think because the Colts okay. are the six, right? I think that's right. So if the yeah. Colts win, they go to Kansas City. Okay. So uh, your loyalties, I, I'm assuming, are with Andy, or am I incorrect there? No, they are. I mean, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, I, I, I root for Andy. Just, I love the death of a, of a terrible narrative. That's one of my favorite things about sports. Like when when a when a narrative that made no sense at the beginning is 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 finally killed once and for all on national television. You know, and I think there there there'd be nothing better to see Andy Reid win the Super Bowl. So that all this nonsense is buried, and this guy's a Hall of Fame coach, which I, I think he is already. I could be wrong, but the guy's resume is is ridiculous. Oh, Particularly when sure. you look at you know some you know some of the other guys that are in there that, that haven't won the Super Bowl. Um, and I think Frank Reich is going to do it for a long time, and, and he's got a great quarterback. He's got a bunch of shots at it. But, you know, I, I, 
I would be rooting for Andy. I would be, you know, it's funny. The, the Colts offensive coordinator is a Mount Union guy is the brother. This is, I'm sure this is enthralling people. The brother of my <laughs> college position coach. Oh, uh, so I always root for them. I always root for them as well. So Sirianni, you know, is that his name? Andy win it. Yeah. His brother, Mike, Nick Sirianni, his brother, Mike, I actually played with and then was my position coach. Great guy. Head coach at Washington and Jefferson College. He's been great for a number of years out in Western Pennsylvania Division Three school. Again, I'm sure right now the subscribers are going off the charts and talking about my playing career. I almost gave him I almost gave him a head coaching job yesterday. <laughs> they're great guys, man. They're they're great coaches and they're really good guys. But I think I would just love to see him do that. You know, again, I loved, I wasn't a huge Broncos fan growing up, but I like to see Elway finally get it. You know, stuff like that, which I think is, you know, that part of the reason why last year was so great for the Eagles was, oh, I never won a Super Bowl. That's over. Your jersey with zero Super Bowls, go throw that in the trash, buddy. You know. The one thing that I will say about Andy that you touched on, the first guy who said, uh, wait, as long as Andy doesn't mess him up. Anything you want to say about Andy, the one thing you cannot say is that he is bad for quarterbacks. And he also knows exactly when to get rid of a guy. Look at when he got rid of Donovan, when he got rid of A.J. Feely, Kevin yep. Cobb, Alex Smith. Like, uh, you want to trust anybody on quarterbacks, it's, it's Andy Reid. No doubt. Um, I'm going to give that a, uh, I'm gonna give that a Serrano pepper. Now, where is that on the scale? I think that's, that's have... about an eight. That's a, I'm still okay. writing down the different pizzas. Hold on. <laughs> I am going to. Uh, I'll stick with Tabasco. I don't like a lot of variety in this exercise. Okay. okay. Uh, all right. Next up, the man who Coach Flynn has described as having the strongest hands in the NFL. Eagles wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. So this, I'm going to take us back to la- right before last year's Rams game, uh, which, as we all know, was a low point for both of you guys uh, <laughs> that you've rallied from since. But I think we can all admit that was the, the Rams post-game pod uh, was your Waterloo. A pod that will live in right prior to the Right prior to the game, like I remember there was like a ton of uh, we we got Alshon Jeffrey and you know what well, Alshon Jeffrey uh, he's not doing much and, and and there was a touchdown pass in that game that he caught about four inches off the ground with just his hands it wasn't a body catch you know it was it was and I thought that, I'd never see anybody do that you that know, was Carson Wentz's torn ACL throw it was his last touchdown pass of the year and yes. I thought and I remember which I, I have a follow up here which I will forget I'm sure but. Uh, I remember thinking that for that catch alone, this guy was worth it for that play. And then, and then after that, he tore it up. You know, he destroyed the Vikings. He was awesome in the Super Bowl. Uh, he just makes these plays. Even the, the touchdown last week, the guy had his, his arm in between his hands, the corner, and it didn't matter. The ball didn't move an inch. You know, and, and again, I think the, 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 the counter arguments to this are compelling. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't drop the pass all year. That's insane to me. 115, however many catches he has. But just I've seen this guy time after time. His functional strength is it's it's unlike I've ever seen, or as good as I've ever seen. And didn't you have a? Uh, I guess this can be the follow up. Did you have a uh, an Alshon Jeffrey story? A Steve something with Steve Spurrier? Am I remembering this incorrectly? Yeah, so I, okay. 
if you guys remember remember from the meetup, like I'm very tied in with the strength coach community. You know, I had the, the <laughs> oh, meetup downtown. Yeah, we, we saw had the that. Yeah. Coaches there. That's a good yeah, crew to run a in. Friend of mine who's oh well, it's good for me because you just jump behind those guys. Right. And all, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, you're not going to get in harm's way. But there was a, a friend of mine was I want to say he was an assistant at South Carolina when Alshon Jeffrey was a player. And back in those days, summer workouts, July, June, and July were not mandatory by NCAA rules. So kind of come and go as you please. Uh, and Alshon was was killing. I think they beat Alabama one year when he was there. They were, he was, the, you know, he's the best player on their team by five miles. So Alshon like would kind of come and go. He'd do his own thing, you know. But he wasn't really wasn't really into workouts. And again, you couldn't really, as a strength coach, you can't take attendance. You can't report back to the coaches in those days. But this guy, Colin Sly, went to Coach Spurrier and said, "Hey, listen, Coach." Uh, you know, Alshon's been, you know, he's been here, but he's kind of in and out and, you know, he's not really doing what I want him to do. You know, I mean, he's working hard, but he's doing his own thing. And Steve Spurrier looked at him and went, well, he, he can sure go get it though, can he? And that was it. <laughs> like, that was, uh, that was the end of him backing up the strength coach. Like, <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. He's the strongest human being on the team. Good meeting. You know, that was, that was the saying that and by no means like and he's the furthest thing from what this guy said he's like you know he's not antonio brown this dude worked his butt off in practice and was was you know an unbelievable teammate like he is now but i always you know steve spurrier handled that really quick no but he can sure go up and get it that's very good i like that that's yeah that's funny because i think we've talked about this on the pod before uh you know in in doug's book uh, he he starts out and is talking about Super Bowl week and like one of the things that stood out to him was that Alshon Jeffrey during the week was just going really hard and like you know w- was practicing really hard and he was he kind of indicated that you know that wasn't always the most important thing and you know like Steve Spurrier it didn't seem like they uh, cared that much and um, so that stuck out to him too and I, I feel like Alshon was asked just this week about sort of. Uh, you know, is the playoffs a, a different animal? And I do think he sort of gets a little extra wired for these big games. And I think he could have a big game if the Eagles win. He was the, I will, without giving too much away, he was the uh, the most popular answer when I surveyed the locker room today on who will have a big game on Sunday. Interesting. Okay, very good. That'll be on what website do you write for? That'll be on theathletic.com slash Philly. Okay. Uh, I like that story. I don't know. I, I, I think it was. I mean, the the take that he's got the strongest hands in the NFL is a is a pretty is a pretty strong take. I will give that a. Uh, I will give that a. Sriracha. Mm. Uh, what was the one you gave the last round? Serrano pepper. All right, Serrano. Okay. Go ahead. That's mine. <laughs> All right, back to a uh, back. <laughs> A more uh, a more football nitty gritty uh, question. Eagles going up against the best defense in football on Sunday. Obviously, one of the best defenses in the past few years. Uh, your game plan and what's your approach against an elite defense? Well, well I, yeah, I wanted to clarify this okay. one a little bit. So, so, so obviously, if you if you feel like your offense is playing great and you know that that's the strength of your team, then I'm guessing you don't really care that you're going up against a great defense and you feel like you can beat them. My question is when you sort of, uh, I'm sure there have been games where you go in and you just know, man, th- this defense is like maybe the best we'll face all year. And maybe we're a little banged up or not playing very well. Like, is there a, a philosophy or 
things that change or specifically against a, a defense that, you know, would lead, uh, lead the league in takeaways, that kind of thing. Do you change anything? How do you approach it? And, you know, you can relate it to the Eagles as, as much as you want or just uh, speak generally. Yeah, I think when you start there, when you start early in the week, like, and you know you're playing a good defense, like the, you, you put the film on and like every time somebody catches a ball, they're knocked down and they're great tacklers and they're always in the right gap. And you can convince yourself, you know, for us it's Sunday and Monday, the two, the, the two days you game plan the most. Like, are we ever going to get a first down against this good this outfit? You know, can we block their, their front? Oh, man, we're going to be punting a lot. And I think, you know, and especially with the – it seems like the Bears' formula is they're going to turn you over and they're going to set the offense up to score just enough points to beat you. And, and that can become in an offensive room, don't turn it over, don't turn it over, don't turn it over which then leads to being really passive and really the, the word that you, is overused by offensive coaches to me is scared. Oh, this scares me. Oh, I'm scared of this. I mean, nobody's going to die. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's being shot at. is scary. You know, a four man rush is okay. could be problematic, but there's, there's a weakness somewhere on that defense. There's something they don't do well. There's some matchup. And, and I think the other thing is, is what are our strengths? Our strengths with this guy playing quarterback is to be aggressive. You know, it's, it's to push the ball down the field some, you know, it's to get the ball out of his hand fast, which he showed last week he can do. You know, it's, I, I think I hate time of possession. I don't think it matters all that much, but I think it, it can, you know, it can help them some this week, uh, you know, get in a rhythm and, and move the ball and, and, again, run the plays that they're comfortable with. But, but I, I think you can – you can really talk yourself out of, of taking shots if you give a defense too much respect. You know, and I say, oh, don't turn, if we turn it over, we're going to be in big-time trouble. But what are you going to do then? You guys snap the ball and clock it, you know, three, three times in punt? I mean, that's not turning it over. You know, so I, I, think, I think what they've done a good job of, uh, you know, whether it's during the playoffs last year or, or in the, really this set of games here at the end of the year, if you go, you know, Texans and, and – and, Washington is, is, you know, be aggressive. Now they weren't really a super aggressive downfield last week, but they threw the ball a lot, you know, and they, and they trust their guys to make plays. And again, I think you have some guy, I, I, I know that, that, you know, all the, the numbers say, you know, you can take her out, you know, they're the best, they're the best in the league against tight ends. All right, make them prove it, you know? All right. Well, you know, they're, they're really good on the outside, preventing deep throws, throw the ball to Jeffrey five times, see how many they knock down. You know, I think you really have to, you have to put them to the test. I mean, I think you got to trust what your scheme is and trust your players. And I mean, you're the underdog, you know, go out there and cut it loose, but just don't psych yourself out before the game starts. That's key. Could be a lot of opportunities to flip the field. (laughs) God, I hope (laughs) not. Super important. Yeah. The final final score was 21 to be flipped the field four times. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I think it will be interesting to see how they manufacture those uh, shot plays. I feel like just uh, yeah, the safest way and maybe the most productive way could be just uh, Alshon running those uh, those fades down the sideline. I mean, those are generally sort of uh, low risk throws, and he's your uh, you know he's amped up for this game, and he's your uh, one of your best guys. Let him uh, try to go and make some plays. He was asked about Kyle Fuller, Bo. I don't know if you were there for this, but someone was asking him, you know, about going up against, uh, Kyle Fuller, what, you know, you, you were in Chicago and he was just like, 
not having it. He, he, you know, you thought you would, he would give him like the token. Yeah. That guy's a great player and we'll see what happens. He was just like, he, he wouldn't even respond. So really? Uh, yeah. So we'll, nothing, uh, nothing, there's nothing that jacks me up more than, than when Alshon Jeffrey makes a play and gets up and starts violently pointing. Yeah. You know, like towards the ground, like that, that, that dude, get one of those, like the first two series in the game, you'll be in great shape. The whole sideline will be jumping up and down. Yeah, I think it does give them. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like he does give them energy when he uh, when he makes a big play. All right, my my follow up will be: What is the best defense you have faced either as a player Ooh, or question. at any of your uh, your coaching stops? The the best defense you have ever taken the field against. Holy cow! Yeah, that's well. There's a couple. I came out of nowhere. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, there's a couple that come to mind. Uh, we, the year we won the national championship in '09, uh, William and Mary, who we we had to we we play in league and beat in the regular season by a touchdown and beat, beat in the national semifinals to get to the championship game. Had three NFL players on it. B.W. Webb. Um, B.W. B.W. Webb, who's still playing. Uh, they had a defensive lineman. They had an unbelievable safety who who uh, Caldwell, who I believe had a cup of coffee in the league, was a great player. They, they were awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the 1A teams that we played. I mean, we played – Pitt was really good a couple of years ago with uh, Avante Maddox just threw my guys to the sideline every snap. Oh, <laughs> I see. It really Avante, is I appreciate that. of Coach Flynn. I mean, every, yeah. everything we talk about, there's a connection. Uh, Avante well, Maddox. Here's, a, here's the thing. Avante tough now. No ball, love ball. He is. I, I, oh, I mean, he, I think I, I think he had a couple sacks. I mean, they ran a bunch of corner blitzes. He, he's a real deal. That same season that we I've said this fifty times, then we lost to Dallas Goddard and South Dakota State ten to seven in the quarterfinals, and he caught their only touchdown, and then have had about a fifty yard catch to set up the field goal to beat us. So yeah, again, thanks a lot for that. Wow. Um, Goddard and Maddox, so we, a lot I mean, of resources. Two guys who could be heavily involved in this game. And there's a coach, Coach yeah, Flint's connection, and, and they're legit, both of them, man. They were they were great college players, and they're, I'm happy to see them doing well. I mean, they were so they gave us problems. I mean, the, the one thing about our league, our league is really good defensively, you know. So if you, James Madison and, and you know Maine, who was in the national semifinals, is, is great on defense every year. It's you know scoring 28 points in our league is is really a, a tough task. So and then when you know whenever we play the 118, we played. Temple uh, 10 years ago, and they had three or four NFL guys that were just like, what are we going to do? You know, so it, it happens. I mean, I think, again, you got to – every defense, there's something they're not good at. You know, there's something they don't like. Uh, I think you try to find what it is and see where it crosses over with what you're good at. And, and shoot your guns. You know, if, if you're going to lose, then lose doing what you do and lose being aggressive. Uh, because we're sort of on the similar topic, I will follow up with uh, another one that was on the list here. Are there any specific coverages or schemes that you that you really hate going up against? No, I think like every position has its own thing it doesn't like as a coach. Like if you talk to an offensive line coach, you know they don't like the bear defense uh, because you know every every lineman's covered. You got no double teams. Uh, you know, quarterback coaches, oh, zero blitz. We got to, you know, they're bringing more than we can block. What plays can we run? You know, I think in general, when I started, it was man coverage. I didn't love man coverage. Uh, but now, you know, my approach is completely different where it's like, all right, they don't have four guys can cover our four guys. There's no way. There might be one guy that can, 
their best corners over here. Here's our next guy. Um, you know, but the, the, the safety wants to, he doesn't want to cover man to man. The nickel is, is not even good enough to start a corner. Uh, so that's kind of my, I think my approach has changed over the years to be a little more aggressive. I think that the, the, the players are what bother you more than the scheme. You know, I think there's times you can get caught, you know, and every time you watch a game, it's, oh, it's third and six. I wonder what exotic blitz they're going to dial up. Yeah. Okay, great. And, and there's times those things land and, and you get people schemed. But where there's the real problem, like if you watched Alabama against Oklahoma in that first quarter, like Oklahoma couldn't block that nose guard. There, there's really no answer for that. You know, like if you're blitzing me, I, we can slide the protection over here. We can shorten up the routes. If I can't block your defensive lineman, like that's a wrap. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's uh, good players, I think, are always what you're afraid of more than scheme. Like I said, again, you always reference the Seahawks we feel, but like that scheme wasn't anything great. You know, it was just our free safety can knock everything down from 20 yards down the field. You know, our corners can play thirds, but you can't run any, you can't get open against them. I mean, that, that's, that's the stuff that wins. Yeah, just to be clear, they're both Seahawks this year. Just so. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving that All a, right. uh, I'm giving that a slice of pepperoni pizza. Delicious, just a little bit of heat. Hmm. I'm trying to think if I have a comparison for that. You know, I'm going to go with the old jalapeno. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you can go. You can go a little quicker on this one if you want, Coach Flynn. I don't. I don't know uh, how much time you have left, but we have on here uh, college coaches that you like. Yeah, I think the head coach that I'm a fan of is Scott Frost at Nebraska. That was at UCF. Uh, most recently, like, you know, offensive scheme, I like what he does. If you listen to, to kind of how he talks about his players and how they coach their players, you know, it's a real uh, – it's a demanding deal, but it's not demeaning. Uh, he's very respectful uh, to, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're coaching these guys as people. Their careers are important to us. We want to make sure that they have a good experience here. I, just, I, I like his approach a lot. I think even this year, they started like one and six and ended up five and seven. You know, in his first year, where he kind of, those are the kind of guys that can kind of weather the storm and, and keep a team going in the right direction. Uh, Scheme-wise, you know, like I mean, obviously, I think Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma does an awesome job as a play caller. They were they were almost like watching the Chiefs this year. That's how much fun it was to watch them. Uh, you know, I think Cliff Kingsbury does a great job calling plays. I think it'd be great to see him as an offensive coordinator next year. Uh, you know, I think he's an interesting guy in the league. I think Ryan Day at Ohio State did a great job. Oh no! Kind of spreading the ball around this year. Um, I hate you gotta give credit where it's due. You know, um, I, I think that there's a bunch of guys. I think one of the fun things now is that that really football is becoming football from high school all the way up. You know, and there's not a there's not a you, hear, you still hear college offense, but that's nonsense. It's not really a you know kind of all levels. I think it's really worked its way up from high school where people are a lot more a lot less risk averse and willing to run some run pass option stuff and and leave some players unblocked and, and throw off of them. But, you know, it's a re- really, there's just a ton of stuff out there. You know? Should we just get to the next one? Since, since we are, I am looking at the time here. We're get. Well, I mean, we can give, give our things. I don't have to give a follow up on that. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep them up all night. Yeah. Uh, Taco yeah. Bell fire sauce is my answer. I will go uh, Taco Bell mild sauce. Oh, okay. It's still got some spice. Not really. 
Okay. No, I don't. I don't put any of that on my stuff. Okay. Uh, Coach Flynn, what do you think about New Year's? Yeah, it's horrendous. Uh, this was this was my first New Year's, maybe my career, where we actually stayed home, which no one else in the family was happy about it but me. It was great. Like I went to bed at like twelve oh three. That's what's the best. You know, didn't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, didn't have to talk to anybody about how. Uh, hey, uh, I haven't watched any Sixers games, but man, uh, they're lousy. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, great, buddy. Good talking <laughs> to you. Oh, good. Look, only look, it's only nine ten. I got to be here for another three hours. So yeah, I, I can't stand it. All right, I, New Year's Eve, no good. Gatherings, no good. <laughs> I like New Year's. If you if you do New Year's Eve right, you've got yourself a day off the next day. I mean, not not for us necessarily, but uh, it's fantastic. Stay home, have some fun, cook, yeah, a, cook a nice great. meal. No doubt. Football games on all day. Nothing better. What did you do, Bo? What, what was your New Year's Eve? I cooked. A, I made a paella. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then my brother and my brother and his wife were in town. We had a nice we had a nice dinner, and then they went out and had a party. And Rachel and I were in bed by ten thirty. Oh, so you, you didn't even make it till midnight? No, it was great. Oh, great! That's like me. Usually. Yeah, well done. Okay, nice job. All right. Then should we get his final Sixers takes here? Yeah, we've got three more here. Three more. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, time, by the way, for you guys, so we're we'll let you tee off. We'll let you tee <laughs> off on on Ben Simmons. Yeah, I, again, I think it's it's a lot like Andy Reid. Like it says a lot more about you as a person and what you get out of sports and life. What your immediate answer is, which okay, Ben Simmons. I hear these. He can't shoot. Okay, that's what he can't do. He's not a great jump shooter. He doesn't shoot the three point shot. Okay, but he can do everything else. Like, it's, oh, okay, he just had 29 last night. Oh, okay, the night before. He just threw the guy off the ball's back, caught it, and then dunked it to essentially ice the game. Like, I don't recall uh, there being an issue with a more athletic Magic Johnson who played better defense. I understand the NBA is different uh, than it was 20 years ago, which is also the last time a lot of these people that have an opinion about the Sixers watched an NBA game. <laughs> Uh, it's more, I get it, three-pointers, dunks, free throws. Okay, but there's still a place for a guy who's six foot ten, who can run the point, which nobody said, oh, he can't do that, uh, and, and can defend anybody on the floor. Uh, he can become a better shooter, a serviceable shooter. The idea, well, he didn't work hard in the offseason. How do these people know how hard he worked? Is the jump shot not better? Okay. It, progress isn't always linear. But the idea that, oh, you know what, let's trade Ben Simmons for Kemba Walker. Or let's get rid of Ben Simmons for some. Are you people nuts? Nuts. I mean, watch the guy play. Anybody says that hasn't watched him play. Are there things he can't do? Yes. He is not a he is not a high volume three point shooter. Okay, I got it. He might not be a great cook either. I don't know. You know, <laughs> does he like cutting the grass? Who who cares? He's an all star level, uh, almost seven foot point guard. Be happy we have him. Now, are you worried about the? Uh, you know, there was the moment earlier this week, Joel Embiid. Goes up for the rebound. Simmons has has uh, some words to the bench over there. Are, are you worried about this tandem, the the chemistry, them lasting together for a long time? Is that a nothing story for you? What's your take? Yeah, no, it's a nothing story. And, and I mean, when you're on a team with somebody, I mean, for example, you two guys, for 16, 17 uh, weeks, you're around each other every day in a press box. Ooh. There's probably time. 
you know, fleeting moments, I'm sure, but when you want to <laughs> wring each other's neck. Probably when I say too much Ertz too many times. You know, <laughs> that would be, yes. Uh, it, it happens. People get over it. It's not that big of a deal. I didn't, nobody left the team. I didn't see anybody there. I mean, it was, I got elbowed in the face right where I got hurt last year, so I reacted to it. Okay. That, that's called being a human being. No, non-story, non-issue. As, as long as... As long as... Bring, bring back Ish Smith. Hey, that's a Demon Deacon, baby. <laughs> as long as Shield's not showing me how to showing me how to run routes, I'll be okay. Well, that might be coming this weekend. That would be a good gift. All right, last two. I'll fire them out at you. Medieval Times. I know you want your review, and then consulting firms for head coaches. Oh. Uh, Medieval Times, spectacular. Can't recommend it uh, enough. Uh, worth every penny. Totally agree. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's the, the food is good. I think people think the food. Uh, you know, there's a guy there's a joust going on. How good the, the food is great. Agree. I recommend it highly enough. It's a little bit, you know, uh, it's slightly on the pricey end, but you go once, twice a year. It, it, do it without a second thought. You'll have no buyer's remorse. They've always got deals uh, too. Times, Oh, there's no doubt, right? You can group on that thing all all day. Yeah, no, without what, a doubt. What's the age? What? How, how old does the kid have to be to go? I have never been to this in my life. It is like it is that? the scene of my childhood. I love medieval times so much. All right, so how old does the kid have to be for their first experience to enjoy? Uh, it? I mean, five or six, maybe. The, okay. the food might be an issue, you know, if you're younger. That's okay. true. I mean, if you're four years old, are you just going to bite into the chicken leg and, you know, are you going to eat the garlic bread if you're a little kid? You know, maybe not. Like, I think it depends a little bit on your food taste. Like, my daughter is mine. I would never take her because she wouldn't eat a single thing. Mm, and plus, we'd buy 40 glowing princess wands and go broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what mine would be. But it yeah. is, yeah, it is, it is, like, going to Disney was the same way for me. Like, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype. But it, 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 and it's cost an arm and a leg, but it, it's worth doing. Who and won? Those firms are nonsense. Uh, uh, the Black and Night White, Black and White Night won. Oh, he's good. That was our night last time. Yeah, he got knocked off in the first round when we had him. Uh, and then <laughs> our guy, our guy totally tanked the joust. He had it. <laughs> uh, I, you know, he's clowning around. The end falls off his horse. And next, you know, he's getting hit upside the head with a club. Mm. My favorite is always it's like getting eliminated in the first round of the tournament. You know, once you make the tournament, anything can happen. The thing about medieval times is it's a numbers game. <laughs> my fa- my favorite night has always been the red and yellow night. I could I could see you working there. Like I think you, I, I don't know about your equestrian skills, but you could hold the audience's attention. Though there's no question. Well, I hope so. That's a dream. <laughs> and search firms are nonsense. We all have Wi-Fi. We all have internet. <laughs> Look it up. Call some people, ads, presidents, owners of NFL teams. Search firms get it wrong, blatantly wrong, so many times. They hire guys that. Say they graduated from places when they didn't, or had domestic violence on which which was on the internet that these search firms kind of looked up. They're awful. They get paid millions of dollars. The three of us should start a search firm tomorrow. I agree. We can give you candidates. I mean, Bo did it, Bo did it last podcast, and I bet his success rate is, is better than these people that are getting two million dollars to say, uh, "Hey, what about Cliff Kingsbury?" 
You know, he coached Pat Mahomes. Really, you had a dossier on that to figure that out? I mean, would you use the this is Excel? Yeah, break. Yeah, my favorite was still that the uh, the firms the the feather in their cap was that they recommended Andy Reid to the Chiefs. Right. I mean, wow, brilliant, Fancy, you know, no, no one, you know, I had an idea today that um, I don't know if it should be that the assistants can request this or that it should be mandatory, but I would like them to be, you know, if it's a a lower level coach who has aspirations to be even a coordinator or a head coach. They should be mic'd up during some of these games. We can see them live in their environment. How are they interacting with players? What are they doing? It's good publicity for them. It's a win-win for the fans. People learn their names. What do you think about it? You know, the Rooney rule's not working too great. I think that'd be a little bit better. I think that's a great idea. The other thing is, like, you don't really know. Like, how, how a coach presents himself in an interview and how he is trying to call the plays when he's down 21 nothing. those aren't necessarily the same guy. You know, and I think that's something that that, that could be some insight there. On, all right, what, how's this guy approaching halftime when you're getting absolutely destroyed? Yeah. You know, what's his take on it? One of the you know, things. There's an old, there was an old, I want, I want to say it's Tony Dungy. Uh, no, and, and, and I want to say it was Tony Dungy. It was an old take on, like, they were getting killed somewhere, and he went in the halftime, and everybody was yelling and screaming, and it was like, all right, well, not the yelling and screaming is done. Are we going to give these guys a plan? Anybody going to tell them what we're going to do? Or are we going to keep just throwing chairs all over the place here? You know, and I think that's how, how quick does somebody start slamming on the panic button is a big question that I'm not sure, you know, to your point, Steele, I'm not sure that you get answered in the interview process. You know, it, yeah. it's really a, a game day deal. Yeah, there was the uh, the mic'd up of Deuce Daly from last year where there, there was a moment where uh, – you know, I don't even remember. I, I think Laguerre, it was. I Foles. believe it was Legarrette Blunt. Yeah, it was definitely Legarrette Blunt. And I it was Foles. It was Foles, and and Blunt. You know, they fumbled the exchange, and Blunt comes to the sideline, and he's on the bench, and he's you know basically complaining that Foles didn't sort of force it uh, into the gut, into his gut, the way he wanted him to, the way he preferred it. And uh, Deuce is like, "Did you tell him that? Like, get your butt over there and go communicate it to him and tell him that so it doesn't right. happen again." And that moment, like, told me like more about Deuce Daly than these organized interviews we have where it's, you know, five cameras in his face and someone asking a weird question or, you know, all these cliches and he's just trying not to say something dumb. Like that moment told me a little bit more about him and uh, the way he is in sort of the heat of the battle, his relationship with the players, all those different types of things. So mic these guys up. That's 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 the solution. Yeah, that's coaching. I mean, like even, even with Doug, Doug Peterson has his faults like the rest of us, but like the ease, in the Super Bowl, that he took a suggestion for a fourth down play from one of his players. I mean, that's there's not many guys that are going to do that. You know, that that's how that guy handled that situation with, hey, you want to run this play? Yeah, sure, let's run it. Go. You know, that that's that's what you don't get when I'm up there saying, you know, culture and philosophy right. and pressures off of discipline. Okay, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Again, there's this. There's stuff up. There's uh, there's stuff that he does that you're going. What the heck, you know, we watch 18 hours of film. We got to block 400 pound guys. A 700 the fact pound. That when things are going bad, or you're at the, you're at the, you know, you're in the Super Bowl on fourth down, and the guy can keep his cool. I mean, those are those are extremely underrated things. I have always said that uh, one of the you know one of the one of the failures of of modern life is that uh, unless you're a salesman, like you know how you interview has 
has no bearing on how good you will be at the job you're going to do, but that's how, that's how decisions are made. No doubt. That, that's absolutely, I believe that 100%. And also, Sheila, you said, uh, you know, when someone asks Doug, or when ask, someone asks Deuce Daly a weird question, you can just say, say me by name. Did you, what did you ask him that was weird? No, I just said, uh, you know, oh. the, the implication of somebody asking a weird question is it's probably going to be me. No, your, yours are good outside the box. Okay. I mean, the, uh, you know, how, how do you feel like the running backs are improving this year? Yeah. Well, that's not a weird question. That's just a bad question. Well, that, all right. That's what I should have said. Okay. <laughs> uh, overall, overall, I'm grading this performance by Coach Flynn a, a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Which is uh, oh, not not the hottest thing in the world, but the perfect amount of of heat, and uh, to my taste buds, the the best uh, sandwich in fast food. Uh, what was the hottest one? The ghost pepper. Yeah. Okay, I'll give it that. You know, he he sometimes fires off these takes via text, and you don't know if they're fully thought out. But I, I thought he brought it today with some. Uh, with some evidence, with some explanations, they they were developed thoughts. So so now we know for the few. I like this format too. This, we got to do. I feel like in the off season we can do one that has nothing to do with football. I don't know why you're so surprised. Yeah, they were I, fu- I, fully formed thoughts. I I've yeah, always I've, given Coach Coach Flynn that yeah. uh, that expectation. Listen, you got to uh, prove it. What, what, it's like facing an elite defense. <laughs> Make them prove it. You know? <laughs> I've always wondered. This, we, this could be my last. We can end on this if you guys wrap it up. What percentage of my game day texts are actually read? I'm going to say it's the low teens. <laughs> I think uh, it's higher than that. Like a, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, they're red. It's like just. It's just that like, uh, you fire. You do fire them off at an impressive pace. <laughs> yeah, particularly if there's an under center run or a fourth down punt of less than three yards. So yes. That's usually when it gets nonsensical. Well, but you, then you're you're also identifying some plays in in uh, in real time, so that helps as well. So don't sell yourself short. Do you care? Do you care, Coach, to uh, to go on the record with a prediction for Sunday? Yeah, I feel I feel good about the Eagles' chances. Um, you know, underdog on the road, not an explosive offense that they're going against. So I, I think this is this is a W. How's Mrs. Flynn feeling about it? Yeah, she feels good. You know, she was, she was, uh, uh, I said last Sunday to my son, just, you know, make sure you, you watch most of this game because this could be the last game of the year. And that did not go over well uh, <laughs> with her because there was no possible way that was the last game of the year. Uh, so, but no, I think she, again, I think when, when the game gets going, uh, there'll be a couple moments of high anxiety on her end, but, but we'll be in good shape. Okay. Very good. Well, Coach Flynn, you have been very generous with your time. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. That'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. We are back tomorrow with our our predictions for Sunday's game and also for the rest of the playoffs. Sheila, any parting words? I can't believe I have to. I've used all my words this week uh, to come up with something for tomorrow. Okay. Well, we will talk to you then. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Coach Flynn, and as always, we love you.